0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 92 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Greg. What? No, what? no, no, no. Randy, Jeff, and Greg. Andy's there we not go. here. I can't keep track of who's here and who's not here. We were also going to give you a forecast of the possibility of Andy showing up today. And, right before, <laughs> and if we hadn't had any technical problems, we would have went with that. Yeah. Uh, but he was a little late, but uh, Greg was nice enough to fill in for us. So welcome to ArtFest 2018 here at the podcast. Mm, or, that feels good. Uh, yeah, or as we like to call it, Lessons from Rembrandt. It's mm. a new two-part series that began this past weekend. In the spirit of dispelling myths, folklore, and painting a clearer picture, if you will, of our subject's subject, did you know that prior to 1633, Jeff, Rembrandt was originally spelled without
1: the D? No, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. He changed it. Well, way to go. wonder why he did
0: that. I don't know. It's those artistic types. Yeah. Yeah. Rembrandt was his first name, not his surname. You right. probably knew right. that. I did know that. His full name was Rembrandt Harmenszoon Van Rijn. <laughs> or Van Rijn? Van Rijn. Van Rijn. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. His favorite food was bread and cheese or pickled herring. And I'm like, wait a minute. You had me at bread and cheese, but pickled herring? Mercy. His life work is comprised of 317 known paintings, 285 mm-hmm. etchings, and more than 100 drawings. And apparently, 90 of those hundred were original selfies. Yeah, self portraits. Yeah,
1: did a lot of that back in his day, and that was not on trendsetter. But.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't. He wasn't the first to do it. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, he was declared bankrupt in 1656 and died penniless three years later in 1669.
2: Mm. Is that even worth saying? I mean, he was an artist.
0: Well, <laughs> I, well, yeah. You almost should have uh, figured that part out. But in July 15th uh. of this year. 2018 he would have been 412. Mm. This July 15th, mm. so happy pre-birthday to Rembrandt. Rembrandt. But the reason I just brought those up was especially the bankruptcy and some of these other oddities was sometimes we look at a person like Rembrandt and you think, well, all right, you know, we're going to we're going to talk about him because he's a super mm-hmm. talented and successful person and man, wouldn't it be great to be like Rembrandt? And we're talking about casting out fear. And so, you know, even back then, I'm sure that Nobody looked at being bankrupt and penniless and, and was like, "Hey, this is awesome! I, you know, I am super talented, but I have zero dollars." And he had to sell his wife's grave plot of all things mm-hmm. uh, to try to survive that last three years. And his son, pre, you know, uh,
1: died before he did. Yeah, that didn- never made any sense to me. Why he he sell his wife? Yeah, I don't know what the value. Because <laughs> he, you know, you'd think <laughs> what was the value there? I'm not sure. Well, I guess maybe. I don't, I, know, I, don't I don't know just the spot or maybe
0: the the actual real estate that but, was on, but you know we always look at other people mm-hmm. and see the glass half full and maybe ourselves half empty
1: yeah we don't ever know you know all the legacy and those kind of things um his painting actually um he was the very first painter in history to have a painting go auctioned off for more than a million dollars
0: yeah, his last one was nineteen point eight million euros mm-hmm. was uh yeah. a portrait of the lady, my lady, old lady, yeah, portrait, something lady. like that. It was mm-hmm. uh, not that long my ago. My old lady. My old lady. That's what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 19.8 million euros. All of this part of we've been talking about a perfection and excellence the last week with the Olympic series. And in your synopsis, you said the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Yet we have therapists, self-help <laughs> books, relaxation techniques, even personal rituals, all to help us live with the fears that sometimes seem to paralyze us. And God never wanted us to live in fear. That's why he used so many analogies of himself as being the way, the light, and the good shepherd. But all this to sort of help us, but it doesn't seem like we're very good at allowing him to do that. Because those opening sentences in that in that paragraph are really a blueprint of promises really that God has given to everyone, not just Christians, to to everyone. But why don't more of us live like we truly believe that that's true? I mean, why don't we, why doesn't this show up more in our lives? It just doesn't seem to add up.
1: You know, I was looking up for the sermon, actually. I was looking how many, there's a top 100, a top 100 uh, fears. Oh, no. It's like, it's (laughs) like like I'm thinking, (laughs) first of all, think that there's that many phobias that are already registered. Sure, sure. But they made a top 100. So,
0: <laughs> so, so this is only the top 100 you should yeah. really be worried about. Um, and and what was dude, number
1: one top one was the, uh, think I, you know don't even remember. claustrophobia. I, no, think yeah. I think that's mine. Is it? Yeah, I, th- I hate small spaces. Um, it was either claustrophobia or uh, arachnophobia. No, Um, Gregophobia? um that's I think a I think was, I think it was claustrophobia. <laughs> claustrophobia. Was one of the. It has to be one of the top level, ones. Top I think. ones, yeah agoraphobia, probably. I mean, one of the, anyway, the thing about it is I think a lot of times, um, when you, when you read that text, perfect love, you know, in John, first John, um, I think Jesus was trying to help us see much like this, this painting, you know, he would like us to see us transfer, uh, what we always worry about and what our anxieties get. So we get so caught up in he, he wants us to transfer that to him. So, much much yeah. like what the paint, the painter did and what Mark does where he says you you know you see it very very real in Mark where you see they're terrified at the storm. They, do, they don't even use the the word um, in the same word that they use for fear at the very end of the the verse where he says and then they were terrified yeah. of Jesus. And and, and of course the other translate uh, the other writers Matthew and Luke uh, they clarify it by and they were awestruck and fearful, you know, okay. at the same time. But um I think that's the point that Jesus is trying to say. Hey look, if if you and I in a relationship, there's some things you don't have to you don't have to fear. And even John mentions, you know, you know, he starts naming the fears, you know, yeah. fear of the judgment. <laughs> You yeah, know, and and so he starts claiming. You know, a lot of people live in fear of, of losing their life, and those kind of fears. Jesus said, "Stop putting those down." There was three basic fears. Three basic fears are non existence, the fact that I would you know that I would lose uh, you know any existence in life, purpose. I would lose any meaning. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea that I my life didn't have meaning, and then fear of autonomy. Hmm. That I that I lose control. So those are the three basic fears. And when you really put it right down to it, when you fall in love, when you when you fall in love, all of a sudden life has meaning. Yeah, well, you know, when you when <laughs> you fall in now. love, I you know I, I I'm I have meaning for my life. I have existence. I have, and you feel like you're in control finally of your emotions. So you know, kind of look at that from the standpoint of now really truly understanding what love is all about. When God says this is perfect love. It does banish those. It, it's hard for those fears to live in that environment. What you just
0: mentioned about the disciples who are there and they're going like, hey, where's Jesus? Right? Like mm-hmm. we're drowning. The shore is not in sight. This, this storm looks catastrophic. <laughs> we're all going to die. Where's Jesus? And I mean, I'm not speaking for anyone other than me here, but <laughs> I still find myself asking that same question of myself more than I'd like to think that I do. Can we really grow past the disciples' example of this? Or am I? Well, uh, Greg,
1: is is that possible? I think it's all about self preservation. That's what they were about. It was like, where's Jesus? Because I'm dying. And I think that's where we always look, you know, we always look for it because I'm worried about my life and I'm worried about my things or I'm worried about, you know, how this is going to all end up. And, I love the a way the way Mark puts it. I really do. I didn't. I never noticed it until just this last week when we were, when I was studying. He he gets up. Doesn't talk to the disciples. He just gets up and he goes, "Quiet, guys." You know, it's like the storm was making too much commotion for him and to, to get be a gun. heard over. Yeah. Like,
0: you guys hear me over all this noise? Yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on. Yeah. Well, I just felt like. This was something that they struggled with all the time. Yeah. So anytime that Jesus was challenged, or they were challenged by whether it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or a situation came up that they were constantly only going to him when it was like, well, I don't know, (laughs) what, what, what should I think, Jesus? Or they were trying to defend their position, and then you know Jesus would have to interject himself and say, wait, whoa, guys, you got this all wrong. This is the way it's supposed to be. And it, it just struck me that. While Jesus was kind of off to the side, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. yeah I, need, I need to get yeah. this, I need to get one thing at a time, you know, almost yeah. like kids. Can you guys just hold on a second while I get the fire out on the stove, and yeah. then I'll, I'll talk to you guys about your problems, because yeah. we have to prioritize.
1: Yeah, these. it's like Jesus turning off the TV, because <laughs> the kids aren't listening to him.
0: <laughs> I thought about that, and I thought, you know, the silence sometimes is us, not giving that communication to him, not looking for that, hey, where's Jesus moment, when... Hey, my day started off pretty good. Did I bother to approach him or am I too busy to hear him approach me? So therefore we end up with nothing but silence. And then eventually when something comes up that I'm like, man, this is too much for me to handle. Oh yeah. Hey, uh, where's Jesus? I should probably ask him. Yeah, It seems like that same, same thing. And it just seems like we're, maybe we haven't grown that much Past where they were, where they were. Martin Luther,
1: point. and I don't really know if this is true, Greg. You, you're better, probably at this. End.
0: All right, Martin Greg, Luth- we're putting you on the spot. Go, for Martin it. Luther I don't once know where said. Where
1: you're going with this? <laughs> Martin Luther once said, "I have way too much to do today for not spending two hours in prayer." Wow, you know, I got way too much time. I got, I got way too many things to do without giving the time of two hours in prayer. Wow, which I thought it was a, you know, that's just a, and I'm, I'm not even sure if he ever said it, but
2: a great quote. Well, I think a lot of times we cop out instead of like, you know, working with youth and young adults, you know, so I had, I had a young person contact me earlier this week and they had a question about this Bible passage and it was a fairly obscure, you know, random passage and it was a very specific thing and they wanted to know my take on it. Well, (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, and so we didn't have a chance to connect during the week on the phone, but we, we saw each other. And so I asked, and so they started explaining the story and, and they were, you know, really perplexed. And then I said, well, what do you think? You know, like, like before I even answered, I was just like, what do you think? And like, they came back and just said this like really sound pretty deep theological like explanation of like this passage and how it related to the situation that they were dealing with. And you know, it was just so funny because it's like they didn't they didn't need me, right? Like they looked to me as like a spiritual guide and a spiritual leader. They were able to figure it out, you know, on their own. And not that I didn't want to be there sure, to like yeah. help them do it. And I mean, that's, that's part of what it was, was this conversation. And I think a lot of times like we do that with God. You know, we're just like, oh... Pff- you know, I don't know. We just kind of toss up our hands when the reality is, like, <laughs> we do need to spend that time with him. Sure. But when our when our time with him becomes more about getting answers than it does about just being with him and in his presence, like, I think, you know, it comes back to the whole thing about treating God like a, a genie or, you know, some type right. of vending machine, a cosmic vending machine, and and to be able to have the relationship with him. And, I mean, just like Abraham, you know, God told him, go. Yeah, from from you know looking at the plane three hundred and sixty degrees, but he didn't tell him where, and so you know God was with him wherever he was going to go, and Abraham had that faith to know that God was going to be with him, you know, regardless of where he went, and that he'd given him a brain to make solid decisions, and I think we would do well to do that more often, and we don't. I mean, the reality is like you know, so we're sure. looking at the disciples saying, "How could they not get it?" But <laughs> yeah. the reality is, is that in twenty eighteen, I do so many things where I'm just like, you know. Like I look back, I'm sure in six months and I'll say, how did I not get it? And yet, you know, the we're like, oh, well, you know, the disciples had Jesus. So it's like, not only do we have Jesus now, but we have, you know, the stories of Jesus with the disciples and thousands of years of, you know, God interacting <laughs> with his people. And yet, and the Holy I'm Spirit. still, exactly. And I'm still just like, oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I- <laughs> Missed that one. <sighs> uh, well, the some one things thing- never change, I guess. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, Jeff, you said it really doesn't matter in what area you live or what culture you are a part. Fear is and always will be one of the greatest motivators, or as we look at it from another side, one of the greatest inhibitors. is fear ever a healthy motivator, maybe outside an adrenaline fueled rowing session through well, typhoon like conditions on the Sea of Galilee and like, I, and I, like
1: let's go let's go I mean but is there's different words obviously sure. for fear, but Fear is, you know, fear keeps us from doing some pretty stupid things, you know, once in a while. You know, so fear can actually, there can be positive things, much like I think that's why, you know, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, hey, don't fear these guys, fear this person. You know, use this fear, make it healthy fear and, you know, in awe of God. And we always put phobias in that fear it's a paralyzing thing that happens to us sometimes when we get to the point of not being able to handle or manage our fear. So I think God never wants us to be at a point where we are in, we're not in control. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that fear, I mean the fear, the emotion of fear is just an emotion. It's, um, it's not something that we should, Call moral or bad, or immoral or bad, or whatever. But I do think that sometimes our fear is misplaced because of our own lack of security. And,
0: I knew this was going to happen. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the timer. I know. How does that
1: it, get out? To be? it's
0: going so fast. But yeah. I wanted to cover one of the things that I, I found most interesting, and was Matthew 10:28. Kind of a tale of two texts. Yeah. And one said, do not – or it was one – Yeah, the same text I just said, yeah. Two different translations. Right. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Right. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Which – is that from the – That's
1: New International. New International.
0: Then you followed that up a little bit later. From the Message Bible. And I figured that had to be from the Message. Don't be bluffed into silence by the threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul in his hands. And so many of us grew up with that first translation in the story that you told about the evangelist coming to your school. I think we, many of us had that. (laughs) And also those outside of our circle of Christianity, I think, also have heard maybe not that verse per se, but that's the image they have of (laughs) – Christians think everyone's going to hell. Well, if I'm going to hell anyway, I may as well have a good. I mean, you know, you may as well be in the <laughs> may front as well car go of the, in a handbasket. That's right. You may as well go in the front car of the roller coaster. Exactly. You know, get there quicker and have more fun. How do we embrace this appropriately and biblically? Because there's someone, there's some people that will say to that, "Well, you you can't use the message. That's that. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just like watering down the whole Bible. That's just someone's interpretation."
1: But well, I think it says the same thing. I it, the reason I wanted to read it from. From the Message Bibles, because a lot of times people think, save your fear for the devil, because they interpret that as fear the devil who has control over your your eternity, so to speak. And that's not what Jesus was saying at all. And that's why the Message Bible clears that up, up, which I think is good. But I do also think that there is this – there's this idea, and I'll try to go quickly – that we're we're like hot potatoes, yeah. And uh, you know who's ever holding on to us last <laughs> is where we end up. And yeah. you know that's that whole scenario of above the line, below the line. And Jesus wanted us to. I think he truly wanted us to say, "Hey, understand." And I and somebody after the church service gave me this illustration, which I thought was brilliant. It's like holding. You know, the first time when you when you have a child, I remember my firstborn being born, and you hold this life in your hand. And it's beautiful and it's warm and it's wonderful and it's just great, but it's also terrifying to think that that is a life that you have. And I do think it's those, those emotions, those polarity of emotions that, that Jesus is saying, hey, and that's what Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying that you should live in a phobic anxiety, constant anxiety, yeah. but he is saying, hey, place your fear in the right place. Thanks. And uh, and look at it with awe, but also a high
2: degree of respect for what what's there. For What's there? Yeah,
0: so much good stuff here this week, and uh, unfortunately we are out of time. We are out of yeah. time. But, but I do business. just
2: want to say, I think it's sad that Rembrandt, as an artist, was not like he wasn't able to pay for himself as an artist. And four hundred years later, it seems like not much has changed. Yeah, not much. I, I respect the arts. I know their comment oh, didn't seem like point. it, but yeah, yeah. but Always it's is. it's. Disappointing. I bet the arts I, enrich our lives in so many ways. I and, bet he'd have rocked Patreon, though. I'm yeah. just saying.
0: Anyway, we're, we're past your time. But one of our FHC takeaways from this past week asked, "What types of fears in your life usually turn your focus towards external distractions or internal obsessions?" Sharing your journey through the lens of your struggles and fear is a unique but personal experience, and it's an incredible way for you to share to for someone else who may need to hear that. You know what? There are other people that share my same struggles. What fears and victories could you or would you share? You can do that, of course, in the FHC mobile app. And finally, our thoughts from Jeff's closing was, he said, As you see the sails ripping and the mass tipping, it's a symbolic reminder to us that God no longer resides in some temple up on a mountain or in a far-off palace in the sky. He resides in your and my heart. You are his temple to the world. Everywhere you go, you bring God's kingdom with you. When your eyes are on him... His light banishes fear, and that focus brings about faith and just that much more light to the darkness of the world. Pretty cool thought when you actually think about it. Upcoming this week will be the second installment of this series. Is it you or
1: Andy? It's Andy this week. Oh, it's Andy. And what are we looking at? uh, Banishing, it's uh, Releasing Guilt. Lessons from Rembrandt's second part. Um, it's the very last biblical scene that Rembrandt painted, and it one of his very last uh, paintings, period. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're not going to want to miss
0: that. And next Wednesday, stay tuned for episode 93. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk again next week.